Colossians chapter 3. We'll be here for several more weeks at least. I didn't intend for this series to be a series, but God said, yes, it will be. We're talking about a heavenly mindset. Colossians 3, the first four verses. The Bible says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful today for a Savior. Thankful, Lord, to know you in the free pardon of sin. To know that if we're a Christian, we are, we are risen with Christ. Help us, God, to seek those things that are above. We'll give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. Developing a heavenly mindset. I must confess, I'm concerned about the stage of the behavior of the church in America today. So many are living so close to the world. It's as though they want to live as close to the edge as they can and still be pleasing to God. Now, i got to tell you, the only way I know to preach is to shoot from the hip. If you do not desire... To live as close to God as you can, I would check out your salvation. Jesus Christ lives in us. And the Bible says, if you then be risen with Christ, that if is not conditional, it means since you are raised with Christ. And if you are a child of God, you should be living your life every day that draws you closer and closer and closer to heaven. Now, by the way, I'm going to spend eternity there. How about you? Not because I'm good, but because Christ is good and he died for my sins. And as children of God, we now enjoy an eternal citizenship in heaven with God and we're only passing through this world. Now think about this. God owes us nothing. We were rebellious against God. We were sinners. We were at enmity with God, the Bible says. But God in His mercy, thank God for mercy. God in His mercy, He's taken us. You and I who were once strangers and foreigners, He's taken us now and He's made us part of His kingdom. And even more than that, We're a member of his family. We're a part of the family of God. Now, by the way, i got to tell you, the church has a lot of problems, but I love the family of God. I love the church. I don't mean this building. I mean you. You and I make up the church of God, the living God. And we have 
been raised together with Christ. We are now no longer strangers. We're no longer foreigners. We're a part of his kingdom, and we're part of his family. By his mercy, God has transferred us from darkness to light, from slavery to freedom, from guilt to forgiveness, and from the power of Satan to the power of Christ. And I have to ask, why in the world do you want to live in darkness? You're not listening to me this morning. Too many Christians are living with a shadow in their lives. We need to live for God. And because our citizenship is in heaven, we must seek heaven with everything we have. Your life should be so different from the world that they don't need to ask you if you're going to heaven. They know you're going. They know your life is different because of how you live. The Bible says, come out from among them and be you separate. And as times as Christians, we begin to live that way. So how do we develop a heavenly mindset? We're just a few weeks off of our Easter celebration, our four-week series. And we talked about, of course, always on Easter, the resurrection. Thank God Christ is alive. He lives in us today. And if we're going to develop a heavenly mindset... We have to focus on our resurrected position in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I mentioned this last week, but I want to tell you, church, it's important to know what you know. Not how you feel, but what does the Bible say about our resurrected position? Number one, three truths. We have been made alive, Ephesians 2, 1. We won't read it again. We did it a couple weeks ago. Second of all, we have been raised. We read it again this morning, Colossians 3, 1. But thirdly, we have been seated with Christ in heaven. Amen. That is our position. And we have to remember our position. The very same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now works in us, giving us the strength to live a life pleasing to God, enabling us to develop a heavenly mindset. So first of all, we have got to develop a heavenly mindset by focusing on our resurrection position. Folks, I'm not who I used to be. Amen. I'm a new man in Christ, a new person in Christ. And if you're born again, you ought to be as well. Live like you've been raised from the dead. But the second way we develop a heavenly mindset is to live a life of continual discipline. Think about that. Living a life of continual discipline. Colossians 3 verse 1. Look at it again. If then you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. By the way, if you're here today, you fall in one of two categories. You're either lost or you're saved. All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We were all once dead in our sins. If you've been born, if you've been born again, washed in the blood of Christ, you've been raised from death the same way that Christ was raised by God's power 
from the dead. We have now received new life from Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. We, we don't need to struggle to work with this life. We already have it. We have it today. And our duty is to flesh that out, to work out those implications every day in our lives. My question is, are you living like Christ? Are the things you're doing day by day, the things you're involved with, the thoughts you think, are they bring, bringing glory to God? Are they a good testament to those around you? Are they, have, are they having trouble telling if there's any difference in your life or not? Both Christ makes all the difference in the world. Now, when the Bible says to seek those things which are above. That idea there is to seek it with everything we have. It ought to be the most sincere pursuit of our hearts, being like Christ. We must continually seek those things which are above. And you need to know that it's not going to happen automatically. If we are not actively seeking those things above then we'll never develop a heavenly mindset. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says this, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How many know the world system is trying to mold you into what they want you to be. They're trying to influence you to live a certain way. And I'll guarantee you what they want goes against God's Word. Now, we're talking about developing a heavenly mindset. See, the world tells us several things. That we have a right to have all of our desires fulfilled. The world says you have the right to pursue and use your power for your own glory. The world says you can abuse people. The world says accumulate wealth simply for yourself. The world says use your ability and wisdom to advance yourself rather than serve others. The world says you can ignore or you can even hate God. A church, let me hear me well. If you allow the world to do it to you, they will control how you think. The world will control how you dress. The world will control what type of job you seek, the type of school you go to. The world will try to mold you into their mold. So if we're going to develop a heavenly mindset, that is going to require discipline. So how do we develop this discipline? How many like discipline? None of us do, right? Not at this time anyway. So how do we do that? Number one, by actively seeking heavenly things, by impressing scriptures upon your hearts. 
When's the last time you read the Word of God? When's the last time you really read the Word of God? You see, you need to understand, folks, it is through the Word of God that we renew our minds. It is through the Word of God we learn to think on things that are noble. It's through the Word of God we learn to think on things that are good, that are honest and righteous. It's through the Word of God that we begin to think more like God. And if you don't read the Word of God, you will never develop that discipline. You'll never seek those things which were above. So how do we impress God's Word on our hearts? How do we make it a part of our lives? Deuteronomy chapter 6. Look at verses 6 through 9. God says, these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and upon thy gates. In these few verses, God gives us, I think, some excellent principles to show us how we can move God's Word from here to our hearts. Now, I'm glad we've got God's Word in, in writing. But my friend, if that's all you have, you're missing out. It's got to be taken from the pages to our hearts. How does that happen? Many of you have probably memorized Psalm 119.11, where David says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Lord, I've hid you a word in my heart, so I won't sin against thee. But let me give you some detail here. When Psalm 119.11 speaks of hiding God's Word in our heart, it's not speaking just about memorizing God's Word. That's not to say we shouldn't, but that's not exactly what it's talking about. <clears throat> what Psalm 119 means is we take the Word of God and we internalize it. It becomes a part of who we are. And we do that by reading it. We do it by studying it. We do it by believing it. We do it by marinating in it. And we do it by being filled by the Word of God. And we do it by being shaped by the Word of God. Now, by the way, God knew what He was doing when He came up with barbecue ribs. And I've learned they taste better if you let them marinate a while. And I want to tell you, your life will be better if you'll marinate in the Word of God. Allow, don't, now certainly want to memorize it, but allow, allow the Word of God to marinate in your life. I was talking to Brother David Phillips this week. Pray for him. He's uh, losing his eyesight. He's, I guess, one point how they grade it from being legally blind. He's taking it well. He's learning uh, through the VA to 
uh, be able to use a computer to do different things. But he said, you know, I said, you keep a good attitude. He said, well, I had a preacher friend of mine years ago. He told me, he said, what you need to do every night before you go to bed, at least read a couple of verses and marinate all night long on it. Let God speak to your heart. You'll be surprised how it will change your life. Now, let me give you some information here, folks. You can memorize the Bible all you want. But if your life is not being transformed by it, not being changed by the Word of God, you're not really hiding God's Word in your heart. Now, I confess, I went to a stage in my Christian life early on where I memorized about 30 scriptures. But I didn't internalize it. I just want people to know I could tell them these scriptures, okay? That's not what God wants. He wants it to change our lives. So, Memorize what you want, and you need to do that, but if it's not changing your life, you're wasting your time. But on the other hand, if we are allowing the truth of God's Word to uh, guide our lives, if we're allowing the truth of God's Word to teach us, to admonish us, and to form us, then we are hiding His Word in our hearts, even if you can't perfectly quote a certain verse. So by all means, develop a discipline of memorizing Scripture, but even more, even more, develop the discipline of allowing God's Word to fill your heart, to fill your mind, to mold your character, direct your behavior, and to change your life. That's what God's Word is for. I remember early on in my Christian life, I mean, I was coming to church and if they was pulling the weed, I'd be here. I still am, by the way. Uh, but that's all I was doing. I wasn't reading the Bible on my own. And I felt so empty. Then all of a sudden, I began to read God's Word. And I got so excited. I'd run to the preacher. I'd say, hey, did you know this was in here? You know what he told me? Yeah, I read it before. And no matter what I said, he already read it. Folks, God's Word is for us. Internalize it. Memorize it. Notice some of the principles on the, the D6 principles. Now, by the way, that's what our uh, Randall House, our Freeboard Baptist, have a D6 curriculum. And it simply means Deuteronomy 6. So notice what we get. Number one, we teach the Word of God to our children. Deuteronomy chapter 6, look at the first part of verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Mom and dad, grandparents, I cannot tell you how important this is. I've been at this for quite a while. I've watched through the years, gone by, as young people come through our church. And I watched their parents. And I taught those young people on Wednesday nights. And I found that most of them didn't have much biblical knowledge. And I saw their parents, and they wouldn't even bring a Bible to church. Uh, they didn't spend time in the Word of God. But they wouldn't miss a soccer practice. They wouldn't miss softball practice. And then through the years, I watched as a lot of those children left the church, left home, and they never went on to pursue a Christian life. And one of the main problems is because their parents didn't teach their children the Word of God. Mom and dad, grandparents, let me give you a shocker here. It's not the church's job to raise your children. Is there anybody here today? 
It's, it's not the youth group's job to raise your children. It's not the public school's job to raise you. It's our job. And the Bible says, teach them diligently to your children. And if you're going to be thinking on heavenly things, you have to be a teacher of the Word of God, and it has to begin with your children. Now, by the way, the moral implication and biblical education of children is, it will be accomplished in a level, not in formal teaching period every day. But it happens when parents, out of concern for the, their own lives, concern for the lives of their children, every day, every day, make God and His Word the, the natural topic of conversation. And by the way, that can happen anywhere throughout the day. Some of the greatest joys that we have had, Pam and I, in raising our children... There's times that all three of our boys would sit together in my, in my office, my computer room, whatever you want to call it. Should have been a dining room. I didn't need it for that. And we sit there and we talk about the Word of God. But not just in a formal setting, but throughout the day, principles there. And we will never effectively teach our children or our grandchildren God's Word if God's Word does not first fill our hearts. Mom and dad, grandparents, how are you doing in the Word of God? So number one, we teach our children. Number two is, we talk about the Word of God everywhere. Look at the last part, Deuteronomy 6, verse 7. And shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. So when do you talk about the Word of God? All the time. Where do you talk about the Word of God? Everywhere. At home. When you're walking. <clears throat> when you're lying down. When you're getting up. Now that doesn't mean that uh, every time we're speaking we have a theological conversation. But it does mean we need to view everything, everything from the mindset of God... And what God thinks about things. Every time you see a movie, think about what the Bible says. Every time you watch the news, think about what the Bible says. Every time you ask a simple question, consider what the Word of God says. Now let me warn you, when you live your life that way, you'll be considered narrow but my friend, this is the kind of mind that pleases God. A mind that is set on the Word of God. Teach it to your children. Talk about it all the time. Everywhere you go. The third thing we need to do is to develop reminders to help memorize it. Verses 8 and 9, Deuteronomy 6. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them on the post of thy house and on thy gates. <laughs> what does that mean? They're tied on their hands, on their foreheads, 
and write it on the doorpost of their house. Now we realize that by the time Jesus had come around, the Pharisees took this very literally. Uh, Jesus said, you've made broad your phylacteries. That was a, a thing they wore on their wrist with Bible verses on it. They had it on the, on the forehead in a, in a little pouch everywhere they went. And folks, you understand, we can do that today with memory cards, with pictures, with different things. But the bottom line is this. If we're going to spend time in God's Word, we need to remind ourselves to take that time. And I want to warn you right now, if you don't set a time each day, guess what? It's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. So we have to set up places and time in our daily schedule where we will always encounter the Word of God. And this includes daily meditation. It might include a small group or even an accountability partner, or meeting, whatever it might be. And so, make up your mind that every morning, at this time, I am going to encounter the Word of God here. Every Tuesday, I'm going to encounter the Word of God there. Every Friday, whenever I meet with brother so-and-so or sister, so I'm going to encounter the Word of God And by the way, I believe it was Woodrow Crowe years ago, I heard him teach on this subject. He said, if you're going to read the Word of God, the first thing you need is a book, the Bible. Second place, you need, is, thing you need is a place. He calls it a nook. A place that when you go there, maybe it's your desk in the morning or your bedside, but you know you're going to have the book and the nook, and you're going to spend time in the Word of God. Now, the Jews, as I said, or many of them took it literally. They tied it with their hands and their heads and their doors. And so they, every day, they consistently saw the Word of God. And by the way, it's important that we do that in some way. Because you'll surprise yourself when you begin to realize, you know what? Four or five days have gone by and I haven't read the Word of God. Make it a habit in your life. And I realize, we're talking about discipline here, this is a lot of work. And how many know Satan will do anything he can to keep them from reading God's Word and praying? Anything. Even if it means their phone ringing. Anything. But it's a lot of work. But if we're going to set our affection on things above, if we're going to have a mind that is set, immovable from the things of God, it is going to require this discipline. Reading the word of it. Psalm 16, verse 8. The psalmist said, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. Notice this. I shall not be moved. Sadly, today in America, too many Christians have no idea what it means to be set the Lord before them at all times. They have no idea. So many Christians today, any little event happens and they're shaken. They don't know what to do. A mind that is set, a mind that is fixed on the Lord, happens only through rigorous acts of discipline. 
There is no shortcut. And we must seek and develop this through daily study of the Word of God. Somebody needs to say amen. So we discipline our mind, number one, by seeking heavenly things. Number two, by impressing the Word of God on our hearts. But also, by rejecting everything that is not from God. How many know because everybody is doing it doesn't make it right? That's right. Colossians 3, 2. Set your affection where? On things above. Not on things on earth. The Bible is very clear. If you're a child of God, if you claim to be a Christian, not only should we seek those things above, but we have to turn away from earthly things. Amen. Amen. If we are going to think heavenly thoughts, we must get rid of and keep away from Thing that would draw us away from God. Everything you do, you need to ask a question. When I do this, am I bringing glory to God? Am I honoring God in what I'm about to participate in? Would God be pleased with what I am doing? And so we have to get rid of anything that would draw us or hinder our walk away from God. One thing the Bible says, get rid of your anxieties. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Get rid of your anxieties. Anybody here ever worry? Come on, we all do. Has worry ever fixed anything for you? No, we still worry. But God can't. So we're called to get rid of our anxieties. We're also called to get rid of our lust, our anger, our envy, our jealousy. In fact, we're called to get rid of anything that is not of God. Colossians 3, verses 5 through 9. Look what it says. Therefore, put to death your members... Which are on the earth. And here they are. Fornication. Uncleanness. Passion. Evil desire. Covetousness. Which is idolatry. Because of these things. The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now. You yourselves. Are to put off all of these. The list goes on. Anger. Wrath. Malice. Blasphemy. Filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie one to another. Since you have put off the old man with his deeds. What a list. Now by the way. Paul says. Because of these evil deeds. God's going to pour his wrath out on unbelievers. 
And then he goes on to say, but don't forget, you once walked there. Meaning what? Not anymore. You shouldn't be walking there now. Paul says, get rid of all these things. And the list is not exhaustive, but there's a lot there. So what does that mean? How do we flesh it out every day? Number one, it might mean not watching some television programs. It might mean we don't read certain magazines or books. It might mean there's some music we stay away from. It might mean we change the group we hang with. Come out from among them, the Bible says. Especially when those people are not living for God. Especially when they contribute to drawing us away from God and keeping us from having godly thoughts. So remember, folks, it's important. Get rid of your anxieties. Get rid of anything that is not of God. But also, the Bible says we we need to protect our mind. Protect your mind. And folks, do it with everything you have. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 to 5. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not fleshly. But mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The Bible is very clear, church. We must take captive every thought and bring it into submission to Christ. Every thought. And please understand something here, folks. Our thoughts are not neutral. Our thoughts are not innocent. And our thoughts are not harmless. We must bring them under submission of Jesus Christ. Your mind, my mind, they're either lorded by Jesus Christ or someone else or something else. And the question I have, is Jesus Christ the Lord of your thoughts? If not, bring them under His submission. So we seek heavenly things by impressing the Word of God on our heart, by rejecting everything that's not from God, but also by actively seeking heavenly things by developing a consistent prayer life. First Thessalonians five seventeen. Don't you love short verses? Pray without ceasing. Want to memorize that right now? Pretty easy, right? Pray without ceasing. 
this certainly does not mean we spend every moment of every day on our knees with our eyes closed. The idea here is the Bible is saying we need to have a prayerful attitude every moment of every day. And the only way to develop that attitude is to acknowledge our dependence on God and realizing His presence within us and making a determination, Lord, I am going to obey you completely. I'm going to obey you completely. And so whenever we acknowledge that we need God, (coughs) when we acknowledge that God lives in us, when we have that desire to obey Him, it will be natural for us to pray frequently. It will be natural for us to pray spontaneously. It will be natural for us to pray short prayers. And prayer can and should be a part of our daily walk with God. And it's through the discipline of prayer that we develop a heavenly mindset. And we must learn how to pray at all times, bringing every thought before our Heavenly Father. Years ago, I'd like to tell you that our kids never misbehaved in church. They rarely did. Sometimes they did. And uh, Jeremy, this is why you were still in France. Uh, but Jason and Jesse, uh, they were kind of running in the vestibule. And uh, Jesse don't, probably don't remember this, but Jason hit the brick wall. It surprised me, but the brick wall was harder than his head. Now, it didn't knock him out, but he kind of went to his knees. And the first thing Jesse did, he got down and he prayed for him. They, couldn't, they weren't in school yet, maybe four or five years old. I want to tell you something, folks. Prayer ought to be spontaneous. To be effective. It need to be continual. And yes, there's times of extended prayer. That's, that's true. But one writer years ago, and I forget who it was, said throughout the day, send up, send up some arrow, arrow prayers to God. You know what I mean? Just shoot some arrow prayers. And I know God hears them. So number one, impress God's word on your heart. Number two, reject everything that is not from God. Number three, Develop a consistent prayer life. And number four, develop heavenly, healthy fellowships. Proverbs thirteen twenty. He that walketh with the wise shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Birds of a feather. Flock together. That's, there's not a verse that says that. That principle is clear, right? Birds of a feather flock together. And if we're going to seek those things that are above, if we're going to develop a heavenly mindset, that means you do it by developing a healthy fellowship. How many know the way you think is affected by your friends? Now I realize that Christians, we're put in a precarious place. I think it's a danger to isolate ourselves from the world. 
because then you can't win them to Christ. Our mandate is not to sell all we have and buy a, uh, make a grass hut on top of a mountain and live there by ourselves and sing chants to God all day. Our mandate is to take the gospel to the world. And while we cannot isolate ourselves, my friend, we must insulate ourselves. We must insulate ourselves. And I want to tell you right now, some of you here need to get new friends. Amen. You need to change the people you hang with because they're dragging you down in your walk with God. They're not encouraging you. They're not encouraging you to draw nearer to God. And you have to realize the way we think is often affected by our friends. The Bible says a fool is someone who says there is no God. Or who does not live for God. And folks, we live in a world filled with fools. Men and women who maybe outright say there is no God, or they live like there is no God. Psalm 14.1 The fool has said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. So a fool is one who says there's no God. A fool is one who does not live for God. So the only conclusion to draw is that wise people are those who come to fear and honor God. Fear and honor God. Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. My friends, if we are ever going to develop a heavenly mindset, if we're ever going to truly seek those things which are above, if we are going to shun those things of this world, we have to develop friendships with wise Godly believers who help us seek spiritual things. My question is, where are you today? What's your life look like? Are you living as close to God as you know you can? Are you trying to live as far from God as you can and still claim to be a Christian? May I say to you today, that's dangerous. That is very, very dangerous. And we are admonishing the Word of God to develop a heavenly mindset. To put on these things, to think like Christ, to be like Him, to live like Him. But it has to begin with knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. My prayer today is you've received Him as your Savior, and if not... Why not today? He died for your sins. But I also want to speak to the church this morning. If you're not living close to God, why not? He's done so much for you. Let's stand together. For some of you, 
Maybe a long time ago you made or said some kind of a prayer. But you know deep down in your heart of hearts your life not changed. You're still living like the world. You talk like the world. You dress like the world. You act like the world. And you convince yourself because you repeated some words 30 years ago, 10 years ago, a year ago. You're okay. Don't fool yourself. See, salvation is a work of God. It's a change of life. We become new creatures. And if your life has not been changed, if you are living in disobedience to the Word of God, you're not where you need to be. But if you're here and you've never confessed Christ, you're lost without Him. And I beg you today, don't leave without saying, Lord, come into my life. Father, we love you today. And we praise you. And we thank you, Lord, for principles and precepts of your word. That we might be more and more like you. Help us, God, to seek heavenly things. Help us as Christians to put away those things that are not pleasing to you. And I pray today for that sinner that's closest to hell today. Lord, speak to their hearts. We'll give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll sing a song. You can pray where you are. You can come and pray here. But I do know this. You need